broadcasting from the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. It's time for Kick Set with USA Swimming, bringing you interviews with athletes, coaches, and experts from age group swimming to the national and Olympic teams. Hello, and welcome to the Kick Set Podcast. I am your host, Dan McCarthy. Welcome to the pod. We're a little bit, well, I guess, a little bit more than a month out of Olympic trials, at least uh, wave one and then wave two will follow quickly after that. So it's obviously a very exciting time for us, for you in the swimming world, the athletes, the coaches. We're all really starting to get fired up for this. We've waited a year and we can't wait to go. Uh, we have a great podcast for you today. Camille Adams, former captain of the 2016 U.S. Olympic team, is our guest. But before I get to Camille, uh, I want to make you aware of a couple things. First of all, as I mentioned, trials is coming up quickly and tickets are available. Uh, the general public can buy them through Ticketmaster. And the best way to get there is through usaswimming.org backslash trials. Um, as I said, this is super exciting. We can't wait to get swimming back on television, um, to have our, our, our meets broadcast live, to have fans in the stands. Um, everything's going to be super exciting. And if you have the opportunity or you're thinking about going, tickets are still available. And I would go uh, through the USA Swimming website, usaswimming.org backslash trials. Also, we have uh, two cool things that uh, – just came out within the last couple of weeks. Through the foundation, we have the Supporters Club and Faces in the Crowd. The Supporters Club is something that we've wanted to do for a while, and it's a way for people that just don't, that aren't members of USA Swimming any longer. Maybe they were because their kids swam. Maybe they were when they swam. Maybe it's a former official, somebody uh, or anybody that has been or never really had the chance to be uh, a part of USA Swimming. Well, you can now join the supporters club and it comes with all kinds of cool benefits and merchandise. And if you would like more information about the supporters club, I would go to the foundation usaswimming.org backslash foundation and just click on the supporters club um, for the information. Also, another thing that uh, is coming out through the foundation is faces in the crowd. This, so despite all our enthusiasm and um, how excited we are for Olympic trials. We are still acutely aware that there is a pandemic and you know it's important for us to continue to be as safe as we have been uh, throughout the last year plus. Uh, so we can't have Olympic trials as we traditionally do with a full packed house, but that's okay. Uh, one of the things that we're doing is the spaces in the crowd plan, uh, once again, usaswimming.org backslash foundation, look for faces in the crowd, and you can go there and you can purchase a replica uh, placard of yourself that would go in the stands during the broadcast. Um, you can put your grandma there, you can put your pet there, you can, uh, you know, everything within reason so that maybe you even get a shot of being on TV or at least your, uh, your image does. So I would check those two things out, Supporters Club and Faces in the Crowd. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Camille Adams is our guest today. And I've wanted to have Camille on for a while. Anybody that knows Camille knows that she's one of, our, uh, one of the finest representations of a national team athlete that we have. She was on, I think, five national junior teams 
And then every team we had between 2012 and 2016, world championships, uh, Olympic teams. And she, uh, she continues to represent the United States and herself as a business uh, owner down in, uh, in Texas, where she began a swim school after retiring in 2016. So uh, there's tons of stuff to catch up with on Camille. And I'll tell you right now, this is a, a very trials-centric episode. Um, I asked a lot of questions to kind of like get, get what it's like to be at trials, how the athletes feel, how she felt, the emotional roller coasters, and, uh, and, and the things that if you, uh, if you never stepped up on the block yourself to race in an Olympic trial event, what these athletes actually feel. Oh, let's take a listen. Camille, how are you? Hi, I'm good, Dan. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, I've been holding on to asking you to be a guest until we got closer and closer to trials because <laughs> your experiences, um, I think is gonna be very relatable to a lot of athletes that are almost there and then they get there and like all the craziness that goes along with it. So this is gonna be fun. But before we get into that, um, can you share with the listeners what you're doing right now? Yeah, so I'm thank you for having me. I'm so excited definitely to share my journey and the roller coaster that it was for sure. So thanks for that. But so um, I currently own swim schools uh, down in Houston, Texas. So I have six locations that I rent out space from a gym and we run those locations all over Houston. And then I have a dedicated swim school out on the west side of Katy. Um, so this is what I do full time now. And I absolutely love teaching our sport from the ground up. We, I, one of our little taglines is bubbles to butterfly. So it actually just kind of fits oh, me nice. perfect. Yeah, super yeah. fun. So um, it's cool for me to really kind of get in on the ground level of our sport and, and work with kids, you know, from the bubbles all the way up through, we teach all four strokes. So um, it's fun for me to jump in and, and teach a new swimmer how to do butterfly every once in a while. So it's been really, really rewarding. I can't imagine doing anything else. Oh, do you teach them your exact technique? <laughs> we don't do any side breath at Safe Splash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everybody breathes forward. <laughs> okay. Well, it. there was no question that you were going to be successful, whatever you chose to do. And I'm really happy you did this. Any of the resilience or lessons you learned as an athlete help you during this crazy year? Yeah, I think for sure. Um, it's funny, like I never in a million years would I think I would uh, own my own business, number one, and, and number two, like buy into a franchise. But I've been really, really happy. I taught in the public school system for two years after I retired in 2016. And I just really miss being around the water. I knew I didn't want to coach. And so, um, you know, my journey kind of ended up here at the swim school. And I absolutely love owning my own business. I can't imagine never having done it. Um, and so it, it's really fun for me, I think, especially over the last year um, and looking at, you know, what I learned throughout my career now that I'm almost five years retired, which is crazy. Um, some of those things that I learned throughout my career, I think one of the biggest ones that have really impacted me this year is um, Steve, my coach at a and would always talk about not letting the highs get too high or the lows get too low. So definitely 
you know, celebrating or, or having that, you know, kind of lull in your career, but then what you, what you do to kind of manage those peaks and valleys, um, and just try to stay really consistent. And so through the last year with the pandemic, obviously owning your own business, being a small business owner, um, not the most ideal situation during a global pandemic, but, um, just again, not letting those highs get too high, you know, or, or the lows, honestly, get too low, you know, continuing to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get creative and everyone's favorite word pivot, um, you know, just continuing to try to, to make this work and make it be successful. So I would say that's probably my favorite. Or the thing I guess that re is resonating with me the most right now is definitely just trying to stay as kind of even in that middle playing ground as much as I can. All right. Um, for our listeners that are in the Houston area, if they aren't aware of your business yet, what is the Yeah, it's Safe Slash. Um, so there's actually locations all across the country. Um, we are a franchise. So it's through the Streamline Brands um, umbrella brand. And then Safe Slash is the schools that I own. And then I also have a um, Swim Labs location as well um, here at my Katie location. So we do the Safe Splash, which is Learn to Swim, and then the Swim Labs, which is our more like advanced techniques. So I get a little bit of both, which is fun. Awesome. All right, um, so I want to dive right in here. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for most of the swimming world, 2012 was kind of like your coming out party. However, you were a, a junior teamer. You had been around for a while before 2012 for those of us that work in the high performance team at USA Swimming. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely, um, I say all the time, the junior team is what saved my career. Um, it definitely kept me motivated and kept me inspired. Um, I think I was one of the first teams that were allowed to make it multiple years in a row. And so um, I ended up actually doing five junior team trips. So I might be one of the, <laughs> one of the, the most veteran junior teamers. Um, so yeah, I was just super grateful for USA Swimming and for the junior team program. It definitely gave me a lot of experience. Um, if I would have only been able to kind of make one trip, I don't know if I would have continued to swim through high school. That's definitely what motivated me every year is to make that next team, make that next year's team um, so that I could take a next trip and take a couple weeks off of school and, you know, do that sort of thing. Um, so loved being a part of the junior team. And then, yeah, I never, the, the first, uh, the tw 2012 Olympic team was my first U.S. national team, which is just crazy. Most people, obviously, um, for those that don't know, make like a world championship team or a Pan Ams or a Pan Packs or something else. Um, I just decided to drop a bunch of time in January of 2012 and uh, put myself in a position to, to make the team later that year. Let's talk a little bit more about that. So I've talked to, over the last couple of years on this podcast, a lot of your national team teammates. And this uh, this Austin Grand Prix, uh, the Pro Swim Series, that falls in the Olympic year, the 2012, the 2016, the 2008, is always kind of like a, you know, a, the, where the rubber meets the road meet. Exactly. You, you come to that meet and it's like, there's not enough time to reinvent yourself. No. However, you don't want to be the fastest you have ever been unless you're Camille Adams. <laughs> right. So you show up at this Austin Grand Prix. And as I said, most of us already know who you are. And <laughs> you go 206, 200 meter fly uh, on the last day of the competition. Yep. Okay. Was that your plan, your expectation? That's what you were going to come to that meet and do? 
No, definitely not. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, the Olympic team, I guess since 2000 was my first Olympic team. I really remember like watching on TV and, and being excited about and um, kind of taking a look and being like, you know, that would be really cool to do that someday. So I think up until then it had been, um, you know, a dream, right? Not necessarily something that could become reality. I always thought in the back of my mind, like that would be really cool to do. But when you're sixth, seventh, eighth in the country, it's still a distant, you know, I mean, it, that's an amazing accomplishment itself, but to make an Olympic team, you're still a, a distant, a distant ways off. And so um, for me that year going from sixth, seventh and eighth, and then, you know, dropping two and a half, three seconds, whatever it was um, to all of a sudden then making, you know, being first or second in the country right there with Kathleen Hersey at the time um, was awesome. That was, it was definitely not part of my plan. I actually had shoulder surgery the summer before I went to college. So the summer of 2010, I had shoulder surgery. And um, so I was really not, you know, I was, I had been training hard. I'd been doing lots of kick sets, you know, all that kind of stuff, but really wasn't sure, you know, um, where my, when my, when I was going to bust out of my piggy bank, I use that, you know, kind of analogy for kids all the time. And you're putting money into a bank and someday you're going to cash out on it. You just don't know when it's going to be. And you don't know how good that cash out's going to be. So for me, I didn't realize it would, it would be in January. Um, but I think I tell people shoulder surgery, I think is one of the best things that happened in my career. I had never spent a lot of time on kick sets and things like that. Um, but then I, that's all I had to do, right? I had to focus on my kick. And so I just kind of switched my stroke perspective, switched my thinking and, um, it ended up transitioning really, really well into my stroke and that sort of thing. So was really, um, was really happy with that. Um, you may not, or you may know the story by now, but after that 200 fly at, in Austin, the USA swimming employees that, you know, put together our rosters that work with the national team athletes that are planning trials and all this kind of stuff. We're so excited to just pencil you and Kathleen in that we were just like, yes, good. All right, great. We've got two awesome 200 butterflies. You're good to go. And of course, you felt exactly the same. You were already planning your trip to London right after that swim, right? <laughs> Not so much. I mean, you go a time one time. Um, for me, definitely being on the distance side of things, you know, you want to see that a little bit more consistent, um, especially at that level of the sport. Um, yeah, so definitely, definitely not. I was, I was not as confident. Definitely nervous going into the trials. Did a full taper for 2012, um, and was. In 2008, I was 17, so I didn't even get a second swim in 2008. Never made oh, it to you the just semis. Missed. Yeah, just <laughs> missed the semis. So for me, it was just a huge transition. I think 2008 was great experience. I was able to see what the pool looked like, you know, since it was still in Omaha. Learn, you know, what things look like, and um, for me, that's huge when it comes to like visualizing and just knowing what you're walking into, especially um, how to meet that could honestly change your life and change your career. And it did for me for sure. So it was nice just to have that experience, but I didn't have any, you know, second swim experience going into 2012. So, yeah. So when you think back to 2012, was it a blur or do you remember every detail of trials? Um, for trial, I think I remember quite a bit of it. Um, I was super, you know, excited obviously to, to make the team. If anybody has seen any of like the video afterwards, um, I have a twin sister and so it was cool for, for me to make the, make the team. And my dad's also a coach. And so it was just, it was kind of a family affair to be honest. And it was just really exciting to be able to kind of do that for my whole family. And 
that way they could experience it too. They all got to go to London and do all that kind of fun stuff. So um, my sister swam with me at AM and all my teammates and stuff. So that was just like a really special experience to be able to, to kind of go through. Um, and I remember, you know, looking back and knowing like getting up on the blocks and being confident, but also a decent amount of nerves, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as confident as 2016 was, that's for sure. Um, you know, going through the trials. And then um, I remember going through the training camp before London. And I think that was probably more just like complete shell shock. You know, um, I was telling Rowdy a games of story the other day, I remember sitting at dinner and it was like, was like Tyler Clary and um, Reb Sony and Natalie, I think was there and Michael. And I just remember sitting in the meeting, we were like sitting at a table for dinner. And I was like, one of these is not like the others. Like what <laughs> is happening? Um, and I just remember being like, where, what dream did I, am I in? Like, when am I going to wake up? So, you know, getting through, getting through the trials and then going through the training camp and just being able to make it through to the pinnacle, you know, of our, of our sport and make the Olympic team and be surrounded by so much greatness in one room was just really, that's probably one of my most favorite moments when I look back is just looking and, and having the teammates and going through all of that with them and getting to know, um, you know, people that I had looked up to for so many years, um, you know, now being on a team with them was just a fun experience. And um, I was super grateful to have Kathleen with me, um, the other turn of our flyer. She could definitely tell I was getting nervous, like leading into the games. And so at one point, you know, she took me aside and was like, why do you swim? And I was like, well, this sounds like a trick question. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, why, why do you do this part? Why did you do this as a kid? What made you want to get into it? And I was like, well, it's fun. Like, I enjoy it. I like competing, you know, I have friends, you know, I, I started swimming because it was fun. And she was like, exactly. So she bought us these like crazy knee high socks to wear up to the blocks um, to just remind ourselves that like, yes, it's probably one of the biggest meets of your career um, and probably the most nervous you'll ever be in your life. Uh, but then at the same time, you know, you have to remember that like people would do anything to make it to this, to make it to yep. this point and just to sit back and relax and have as much fun as you can. And so, um, so we bought the crazy high knee socks and we wore them out to the box and it was just a fun, she just, she spoke so much like wisdom into me and into my, um, like career, especially during that training camp. So, um, super grateful for Kathleen and it was cool to then, um, you know, four years later do that for Haley. So fun experience for sure. So before we uh, close out of 2012, one of the things I wanted to mention is people don't know you almost made it in the 400 IM also. <laughs> there was a very large gap between second and third. <laughs> <laughs> if you would have made it though, I mean, say you, you would have had this, you know, like, is that would have been good? Would have been bad? Did things work out perfectly? I You're happy? I think for Team USA, they did not want me, <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure. I mean, I was super happy to to do that well in my phone. I am. I think that might have been one of my best, like all time, all time times in it, for sure. Um, I just, I love swimming in Omaha. I don't know what it is. I just really, I always swim well for the most part, and I enjoy it. The the you know atmosphere of trials and stuff is so fun and so exciting, and so I think I just played off really well off of that, and so had a great four I am as well in 2012, and. Um, I'm super glad Maya and Elizabeth made it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you kind of alluded to this earlier, but your the way you entered the national team part of your career, ideally somebody would have made, you know, Pan Am, maybe even better Pan Packs so you could pick events and all kinds of fun stuff. 
and then made a world championship team and then you're set to go for um for the your first olympic games Instead, you make an olympic team then you build a national team career after that yeah um so would you say i mean did your career take off or were you learning everything the hard way because of that initial? Yeah, I think, I mean, although it was unconventional, um, I'm, I'm super grateful for however it ended up, you know, however I got there for sure. Um, you know, I think obviously making my, the first, my first national team as an Olympic team was definitely tough. Um, just because there was so much to learn so quickly, you know, I had never really done any media training, had never, you know, competed on that level of a, of a stage. Um, you know, I had done a little bit of traveling, which don't get me wrong, that was super helpful for sure. Um, and it was nice going to a country like, like London, that's like pretty similar to what, what we have here in the US, you know, it wasn't like completely off the grid or anything like that. Um, so I'm grateful for that too, for sure. Um, you know, but obviously if I could have done it different, I might've made some other teams before, but with the shoulder surgery, you know, in 2010, it just, I did not have the freshman year at AM that I really wanted. Um, the summer after, I don't, I think I was like, eighth or something at national so nowhere even near making the national team that traveled um you know so it just it wasn't just wasn't you know the year leading up to the olympics that you would hope to have and so again just kind of switch switch that mindset and um just looked at 2012 as a new year and came out guns a blazing in january <laughs> so yeah okay um so you did you know, i mean we talked about like a you're a veteran on the junior team and then very wide-eyed at the at the London games but you built quite a career up to 2016 to the point where I mean you were a team captain yeah yeah so I mean I want to say you learned quickly because that's a four-year yeah. period of time but right. the lessons learned over those four years had to be pretty valuable oh for sure yeah I definitely went you know from making my first Olympic team to then being, you know, one of the top, if not the top 200 butterfly for Team USA for the next five years. Um, and going from, like I said, like one of these is not like the others to then being elected as a team captain in 2015 for Worlds and then um, 2016 for the Games. Just completely, you know, completely different. Um, but I learned, learned a ton, especially when I was at AM, what it was like to, to be a leader and lead people and lead by example. Um, and do all those, all those sorts of things, which I definitely think transitioned and, and people saw that for sure, whether it was, you know, meets leading up to the games and then obviously trials and through the training camp and then people electing me as a captain, um, people obviously saw that. So I definitely think that that was a huge part of my journey. And honestly, one of my biggest, probably, you know, um, accomplishments, I guess, in my life, in my lifetime will be being elected as a team captain, especially with Elizabeth and Allison, two of my best friends that I got the opportunity to swim with throughout my professional career. Um, so just kind of a better, a bittersweet thing to do that, do that with them, but learned a ton through those four years for sure. Um, whether it was about like travel and going from being an amateur to a professional, completely different. Um, I left College Station and left AM and went and trained up with Swim Mat Carolina with David Marsh and Bob Grosseth, um, which I was super grateful for that experience as well. And just, you know, what that transition looked like now, making swimming my job and getting paid um, to do that just obviously looked completely different. So learned a ton in those four years, that's for sure. Now, you always swam your 200 fly with some pretty tight splits. You're pretty good about that. 
Um, but like the experience, like the confidence that you had to gain. Um, I always think of the 2015 world championships to decide to have the confidence to be like, you know what, I'm going to back half the 200 fly and run people down. How do you get there? I mean, like, what would you tell a kid? Like, you know, like you have to go through this X number of times to have confidence at this level to pull a move like that. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely not something that, um, you know, I developed or I are trained overnight. You know, it wasn't, it just didn't immediately go from like, Oh, I kind of saw my turn butterfly this way. to like then becoming a, you know, back half is the best half type of swimmer, more endurance. Um, lots of training went into that for sure. I have always been an endurance swimmer. Um, my parents were not, they're not there. Uh, you pay the same amount to swim the 53 or the mile. So you're going to swim the mile kind of people, um, more bang for your buck. So I've always been a, a distance swimmer and my sister as well. And, um, so turn or fly for when I am 500 the mile, all those types of fun stuff. So I knew I had the training in the background to be able to have a strong second half and be able to keep those splits tighter. Like you mentioned, um, it was just the mindset. And like you said, the confidence and being able to do that. So a lot of it wasn't necessarily what I was doing at the meets. It was what I was doing every day, every day practice to get ready for what that was going to feel like and get ready. Um, you know, train my, train my mind to race next to, you know, girl Rita Madrano or Kirstie Coventry, you know, um, even when I would train with Tyler, you know, race where they would go out faster than me and like how, when in practice, even like how I was going to switch that mindset to then come back faster than them and, and what that looked like. Um, so doing sets like three, 200 flies, negative split descend in college. That's my, still my, you know, all-time favorite set. Um, where each one had to be, you know, faster than the one before, and then the second hundred faster than the, than the first hundred. So negative split and then descend them, or you add another one on. And so I got to where I only wanted to do three and I got really good at that. Um, you know, and that's probably my favorite set for training yourself, um, to do that. You, you're going to get the confidence really, you know, quickly in comparison. Um, cause you don't want to have to do 10, 200 flies. You're going to figure it out. <laughs> you're going to figure it out. And you know what easy speed looks like and what it looks like to really lengthen out that stroke at the, you know, for the first 75, um, and how that feels to not panic that you're eighth or seventh at the 50. Um, you know, my poor mom, i watched all my races like this, um, <laughs> with hands over her eyes. Um, cause then I would swear I gave her a heart attack every time, you know, but, but I knew I would have that confidence, that third 50 and that, you know, coming home that fourth 50 and just really turning it back on. It's, it's the way I trained a lot of it. It wasn't necessarily the confidence I built at meets. It was definitely the confidence I built in practice. Yeah. What an excellent lesson. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. I mean, we did other things like, like 10 fifties where you would kind of go like four, three, two, one, like four, you know, uh, two seconds above pace, pace three, one second above pace, two at pace, one under pace, and maybe you do that three rounds through. Um, so getting in a really good solid 1500, 2000 yard butterfly set, um, you know, but it's still broken down in like 50 pace style. So, you know, lots of that kind of stuff, but, um, especially when I transitioned to swim, post-grad, I went from not doing 50s pace to doing more like 75s pace or 60s pace, um, going through the turn um, and just really trying to kind of, as you, as you get older, you kind of, your body kind of gets, you got to, you got to shift things up a bit. So you can't, you know, what you always do won't continue to work. So you've got to switch it up a bit. Um, so, you know, we trained a lot of times when we trained at Queens University, um, the pool was 33 and a third. And so yeah. I, you know, got pretty good at swimming 33 and a third. Um, so like swimming for a 50, 
62 lap 66, um, which is, you know, just lengthening out that stroke, getting more confident at a little bit faster of a pace um, for that 200 speed. So lots of different stuff. I, that's the big reason why I switched to swim with swim Mac was just to kind of switch up the training and just shock the body a bit, shock the system um, and just try to continue to, to grow and get better. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, whenever I talk about athletes careers and I try to encapsulate all the emotions of a career into one week. I usually talk about your 2016 trials experience from utter like sheer terror, sadness, uh, reflection, and then relief and then success and jubilation. It all happened in one week. (laughs) The giant roller coaster that it is for sure. Tell the listeners what I'm talking about. Yeah, for sure. So in 2000, for so I kind of mentioned before, but the five years or so leading up to the 2016 games, I'd kind of been one of the top butterflyers, if not the top turner butterflyer. And so leading into 16, I didn't even do a full taper for trials, to be honest. Um, you know, I, and I do, obviously the endurance swimmer in me, I do really well with not a full, not a full taper, a swim well in January kind of girl. Um, and so didn't do that, did not do that full taper. And um, so went in like a lot more confident, obviously, than, than I did in 2012. And so in my prelims race got out and I was, the way it works is you do your race and then you get out and go to like, they call it a mix zone. So with media and cameras and whatnot. So I'm sitting there with the NBC girl and she's like, Hey, how's it going? I'm seeing her mom, just making small talk, you know, whatever. And then she's like, man, the results are just taking a long time to finalize. I was like, yeah, I think they're having an issue with the scoreboard, you know, whatever. We're just like, you know, how's the team or what are you doing? Or you can't wait for Rio. What you excited about? You know, literally just hanging out. Um, like I just finished like practice or something. And then all of a sudden she puts a mic in my face and it's like, how does it feel to be disqualified? And I was like, so I turned around, looked at the scoreboard and saw a giant like DQ next to my name. Didn't even know what I did at that point. And, um, so just left the interview. Luckily, no bad words were said, um, <laughs> left the interview, walked straight through the mix zone, didn't stop to anybody, like found my, my dad's a coach. So he was on the deck. So found my dad and, and Dave and Bob, David and Bob and, um, we went and watched the video review, which from that point into the video view was the longest eight minutes of my life, um, for sure. And went through that, but I knew that if I, if I did something wrong within the stroke, I wanted to see it for myself. I didn't want to just say that somebody else had said I did it. Um, so at that point of, of our sport, there's similar to, um, football, there's a video review, there's an underwater video review for swimming. And so we went back and watched it and the call was overturned. So they just said that I rotated over too far past 90 degrees, like on my back when I did um, one of my flip turns. And so they reversed the call and put me back into, into the semifinals. So the way it goes, you have prelims in the morning, semis that night, and then finals the next night. Um, so put me into the semi-swim. And like I said, longest, longest eight minutes of my life, lots of tears, you know, just going from like your entire, at least the last four years, but, you know, really, um, my entire career, just like being gone, you know, in, in a split second was yeah. absolutely terrifying. Um, but worn down, like had a good lunch, like saw my family, but was obviously still just like super, super oh. shaken up. Yeah. I just could not like come back down. And, um, again, with, with Steve and his highs and lows, just really trying to pull myself up and get out of that low and, and just continue to look forward. Um, and Allison Schmidt, I mentioned her earlier, but one of my best friends texted me, she knew we were in the same hotel and she sent me a text and was like, Hey, what room are you in? And I told her, 
And I opened that door and like the floodgates just like came down and she gave me like a huge hug and she was like, come on, like, let's sit down. So we sit down on the bed and she's like, I want you to have a really good cry. And then you're going to go take a hot shower. You're going to get it all out. And then you're going to suck it up because you're going to make the team tomorrow night. And I'm not dealing with any more of this. So you got to figure it out. And I was like, she's right. I have to get over it. I just need one more last good cry and I got to move on. I got to keep looking forward. Um, and so I talk a lot about, especially with like young kids and like finding who your tribe is or who your team is and surrounding yourself with those types of people. And it's something that I even do in my business world today. I have like other, you know, franchisee friends or other people that own small businesses. And I think it's really important to find out who those people are for you, not just that are going to be your big cheerleaders, but your Allison's that are going to tell you like, okay, so here's the time to suck it up. Here's the time to have one last good cry. And then the world doesn't care. So you need to keep moving on. Um, And for me, she knew, um, you know, she knew that I could handle that. She knew that's what I needed to hear in that moment. And so I tell her all the time, I'm thankful for her, um, you know, for that. And that's exactly, you know, what I did, obviously, if you, if people know me, they know they used to call me like the nap queen, like the hibernator. I'm a huge advocate of sleep. I still am. Um, And so I used to sleep like all the time when I trained, couldn't take a nap that day mind just like racing and all that kind of stuff, but ended up making the team, you know, the next night, um, not an awesome swim by, you know, any, any means, not a best time, none of that. Um, but all I needed to do was touch the wall first or second. And I knew that. And so I knew that that was something I was capable of doing. And so, um, you know, that's, I, that's what I did. And I made the team and, um, you know, just continued, continued to move forward. Um, so yeah, definitely, a, definitely a roller coaster of emotions. I think between that and then, uh, you know, everything that happened and it happened in London, I barely made it into the finals, swam in lane eight, my goggles broke before the final race, you know, all the things just led me straight into retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Those few things, my body was like, no, let's not do that again. Let's, let's just not. Um, but, you know, looking, looking back, I am, I am, I am really grateful, honestly, for, for the DQ and, and how that, how that happened. Um, I learned a lot about myself. I know I probably would have never believed that I was men- that mentally strong. Um, but it but turns out that I am. And, mm-hmm. um, again, just those life lessons that something teaches you that you don't really know why you're going through it. And now I able to, to look back retrospectively and, and really take that and then put it into my everyday life today. It's, it's, it's so cool just to see all those things that sport teaches you for sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And you get to pass it along too, uh, which is, you know, one of the reasons that you're here with me right now, but I mean, just like when you're talking to children and they want to, you know, complain that their uh, suit isn't, you know, not tight enough. And you're like, yeah. oh, and they're like, oh no, here comes the trial story. <laughs> here comes <laughs> well, let's put a bow on that. So you go to Rio and um, you're the team captain, as we said earlier, and you, your last, I'm going to say your last swim ever is your best time. Yeah. Yeah. Super. Um, so barely made it into the semis, like just didn't ever been to the finals, just did not have a great semi swim. You know, again, some days you just have an off day. Um, still looking back, I don't know exactly what it was that just didn't put it together. Um, it just didn't, it just didn't happen that day. And so luckily I was able to squeeze in to like seventh or eighth, I was at the end on the end and I'm a, I was a side breather. So that's not super ideal to be like staring at a wall. You'd like to like see some of the field, but again, it is what it is. You got a lane, you got a spot, just go for it. Um, 
yeah, ended up going to Best Time. Um, my goggles broke right before. Um, so the little basket girl, I had like my extra pair of goggles, you know, because since you're little, like they train you, like always have extra goggles. So I did. And she just happened to like take them away right as they broke. And I was like, perfect. So you know, <laughs> just from when you were little, just take your top cap off, pull the goggles, give them a big tie, put them back on. You know, I actually stayed rel relatively calm, all things considered. Mm, I think my first 50 was like one of my slowest 50s um, going out, which is crazy. Um, but I think I just kept telling myself just to like relax, relax, relax. Like the race is going to wait on you. They will not start the race without you. And that's what I did. I just tried to keep my heart rate low, um, even leading into that first like 40 meters or so, just tried to stay long and relax and just really dial into that race plan. And, and like I said, just like be confident and um, ended up going to best time, ended up getting fourth, which nobody wants to end their Olympic career with a fourth. Um, and to be honest, you know, I wasn't not obviously not happy with it. You know, you want, you want a medal and a best time is cool. But at that point, no one really cares what time you go. You want to end up on the podium. Um, and so obviously that was a bummer, you know, I won't, I won't lie and say like, I was super happy and everything was rosy and perfect. You know, I came home like pissed. Like I was like, I want to continue swimming. I want to do, you know, I want to, I want to do four more years. And the more I like kind of did a little soul searching and, and figured it out, it wasn't, I wasn't, you know, doing it because to impress a coach or, you know, teammates or, you know, team USA, like I was just doing it to like prove something to myself. And I got to the point, like, I don't need that. Like, I know that I was an incredible athlete and I'm okay with that. Like, I'm okay with fourth. And so I had to get to that point where I didn't really care what all the outside noise was telling me about, like, you should keep swimming, like, go back one more, you know, all that stuff. Cause honestly, like my heart was ready for the next phase of life. I got married in October and, um, I was just ready to not stare at a black line anymore. And I think if I would have continued swimming, I just wouldn't have been the happy Camille that I am and that right. I wanted to continue being and the person that I was proud of. And so I needed to make that next step and, and just get over that. Like fourth was the best that you had and that's okay. And so I tell kids, you know, all the time, like you're going to put money in that bank. And like I said, you're going to cash out someday and let's hope it's the best time. Let's hope it's an Olympic team. Let's hope it's the top of the podium, you know, and you should strive for that. And those should be your goals. And that's what you should be like top of mind every day. But when it doesn't happen, what are you going to do? How are you going to handle it? What are you going to learn from, um, you know, how are you going to take those lessons and how are you going to continue to grow? And so I think that's definitely something that, um, again, I had, the, I had those people that were around me and supporting me, whether I decided to continue swimming or not, and just really pushing me to do whatever, like my heart was calling me to do. And it was to retire. It was to, to do something different. Um, being a professional athlete was the, one of the best experiences ever. Um, but it's a very selfish lifestyle. Everything you do revolves around you and when you eat and when you travel and when you sleep and where you go and, um, that's just not, it's not me. I mean, obviously I'm teaching kids how to swim, you know, I'm around kids all the time. And, and I was just ready to give it back to other people to just do something different. And so I was just, you know, ready, ready for the life change. But, um, so got off a plane from Rio the next day I was in a fifth grade classroom, finishing up my student teaching. So if that's not humbling, I don't know what is, um, but super like cool experience to, to just go honestly straight in, straight into a classroom, just continue life, just keep it rolling. 
And um, I love fifth and sixth graders. Those are my people. And so it was just fun to be able just to jump straight into a classroom. And um, I was an education major, so I had to finish my student teaching that fall. And the school loved it, obviously. And um, it was just a, it was a fun experience and a, and a really honestly good transition for me out of the sport. So, yeah. That's great. Um, well, as you know, we are getting we're getting ready for our 2020 slash 2021 Olympic trials. Right. Have a whole new crew of athletes, a lot of new crew of athletes that are going off to the Olympics. And it's going to be a little different. Um, the travel is going to be different. Uh, probably what they're going to be able to do, you know, as far as getting out and about and those sorts of things might be a little different. So if you were going to be traveling for four or five weeks um, and had a lot of time to yourself, uh, and uh, I'm going to bring some recommendations uh, for movies, podcasts, TV shows, books, anything, uh, anything you would like to me pass along? Oh my gosh. This podcast. Um, yeah. Um, I think the biggest thing like for me is just like to go in and try to be as mentally tough as, as you can be. So anything that like helps like build you up, like, especially when I swing with David, he would say like, don't listen to sad songs. Like you need to listen to things that like put you in a good mood and lift your spirit. So if a scary movie is going to like keep you up at night, like maybe don't watch it. Or like if motivational podcasts make you nervous, don't listen to them. You know what I mean? And so I think it's so different for everybody. Um, I'm somebody that like, I'm like good with like a good romance novel and I'm, I'm like a good headspace, but like turn on like some sappy song and on my mood is like completely different, like mm -hmm. not good, not good to get ready. Like to, to compete. So I think like figuring out like what, you know, you need and, um, what's going to continue to keep you in a good headspace and keep you in that good mood. And, um, that sort of thing I think is really important. I think another kind of tip I would have is be okay with putting your phone on airplane mode and maybe not buying the international, you know, travel or Wi-Fi, whatever, you know, network. Um, when I traveled, that was my favorite things was to put my phone on airplane mode and just focus on me. And I think nowadays we're like so attached to our cell phones and we're always texting. We're always, you know, contacting the next person talking to the next person. Um, but this is like the one time in your career and in your life that like the rest of the world will understand if you don't answer them back or if like, you know, your mom can talk to you later. And so, you know, for me, even at trials, I would put my phone on airplane mode for days and just like not talk to anybody for days and just stay, stay in my own bubble talk to people that were right there. Um, but as you get ready to make an Olympic team, every single person's going to want a piece of you. They're going to want to chat. They're going to want to check in. Um, and, it, and it can become super overwhelming. So I think my biggest piece of advice is being okay with turning off all the extra, uh, all the extra noise and, you know, everybody, and then just really focusing on what lifts you up and what brightens your day and what, what keeps you happy and motivated and, and just be ready for that and be, and be prepared. So, yeah. Great. That's really good. Um, okay. Before I let you go, if people uh, want to keep up with you or your business or the franchises, uh, any handles, Twitter, Instagram? Yeah. Anything? I don't do Twitter anymore. I don't know if I'm supposed to, but I don't do it. <laughs> I like to barely do it, barely do social media, but just Camille Adams at, on Instagram. It's C-A-M-M, two M's, I-L-E, and then Adams is the easiest way to keep up with me. Okay. That's phenomenal. Awesome. Well, with your business and I hope uh, you get to see you soon. Yeah.
Yes, I'm so excited for you guys. It's going to be an awesome trials. Really, I don't know if I could have made it four years, much less made it five years. So <laughs> we'll have to talk to you guys for sure. Super exciting. Okay. Thanks again to Camille uh, for joining us. That was great. I hope you uh, gained some insight of what it's like to be one of those athletes at Olympic trials. Uh, you know, when things go right, when things go wrong, Camille has an excellent story and I'm sorry I haven't had her on earlier. Uh, thank you for listening. And I do apologize. We had some uh, technical difficulties during that uh, podcast. Um, so you may notice the sound changes a little bit halfway through. Um, however, you should have no problems listening at all. Uh, before I let you go, don't forget trials tickets are on sale usaswimming.org backslash trials. And while you're there, you may as well visit the foundation page for more information on the supporters club and faces in the crowd. We've got one more podcast coming up before trials and working on a really special guest. So I look forward to that and I hope you're doing well. Uh, wherever you get us, make sure you give us a rating and a review. I care about that and I will definitely read anything you write. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to Kickset. Thanks for listening to Kickset with USA Swimming. Check out www.usaswimming.org slash kickset for more episodes and add Kickset to your favorite RSS feed or iTunes. <laughs>